Church, today I want us to consider a question. A question I want to pose to you, and it's something that I want to talk about here this morning. That question is, what does it mean to be united in Christ? What does it mean to be a church that's united in Christ? What's that look like? And I want to explore several different parts of that question. And to start out, I want to talk about what it means to be united. Just that part of the question. So when I look up the the definition of united, Merriam-Webster wants to define united in three different ways. The, The first, it says, to be made one, to be combined. We want to think about when you combine things together. I mean, I like to eat, so I think about a recipe. So I think about when you take all the ingredients that you put into cookies. When you take each one of those ingredients by themselves, it doesn't taste very good. You take a mouthful of flour, that's not very tasty. So I think it's important to have all the ingredients. If you leave something out, even something small like baking soda or baking powder. It just doesn't make the cookie the way it's supposed to be. So I think for us to be united, we need to be combined together, all of us. We all play a part in that. When you leave something out, it just doesn't make it the way it's intended to be. The the second way Merriam-Webster defines being united, it says relating to or produced by joint action. So when you're united in an action, it causes things to happen. I think about this service. And sometimes at the end of this service, when we have a dinner going on on a Sunday evening, I've watched this group of people in this room quickly, within 10 or 15 minutes, be able to clear all these chairs, be able to bring in all the tables we have, be able to reset that up. Because that's what we're focused on. Everybody is looking at that action at that point in time. And it happens quickly. What normally would take one or two people, two or three hours to do, we as a group accomplish that in a very short time because we are focused on that joint action that we need to take. The third way Merriam-Webster defines being united is being in agreement, being harmonious as in being a united group, everybody looking and having the the same goal, the the same intent in in mind for how to get there. And to me, I think this is probably the most difficult part of being united, is getting everyone to agree on the best way to get something accomplished. When we think about being united together as a church, we now understand the things that we need to, the, what being united means. From there, I want to look at what it actually means to be united in Christ. And when I think about this, I, I think that there's, there's three things that need to happen. And the first thing that needs to happen is we must be united with Christ. There's a difference to me between being united in Christ and being united with Christ. When we talk about being united with Christ, we're talking about that personal relationship. We're talking about making Christ your Lord and Savior, making, becoming one with Christ. 
To me, that's what being united with Christ is, is all about. And to be united with Christ, it, it takes joint action. The first part falls on us. It's our choice as to whether or not we're going to believe in Christ and put our faith in Him, whether we're going to change our life, whether we're going to change from the sinful life that we led before, whether we're going to come away from those worldly things and go more towards Jesus. It's our choice to whether or not we're going to leave that sinful life that we led. It's our choice to repent and and turn from our sins. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way, and it's to have that faith and belief that Jesus died on the cross for us. He was buried, but that God raised him again. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, if you look at that with me, it says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Too many times we try to complicate things. We try to make it much more difficult than it is. We like to think that we need to have our life completely in order before we can have that relationship with Christ. We like to think that we can do it on our own, that we can do enough good things that we're going to get to heaven. We can give enough money. We can help enough people cross the road. We can feed enough people. If I'm just a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's just not the truth. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, if you look at that with me, that's where the truth's found. It says this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. God saves us. He saves you by his grace through our belief in Christ. Salvation is not something that we accomplish. Salvation is something that we're given. It comes from, it comes from God. We can't earn it. Can't do enough things. We certainly don't deserve it. We all fall short all the time. We don't deserve to have salvation. But salvation, it's a gift from God. It's something that he's willing to give to us. When we're united with Christ, it's because we have a personal relationship with Christ. When you have a personal relationship with somebody, it allows us to draw closer to them. A personal relationship with Jesus allows us to draw closer to God. And when you have a personal relationship, that's somebody that you want to share your life with. You then want to spend time in prayer. You want to spend time talking to Jesus. You want to thank him for all the good things that he's doing in your life. You want to be able to go to him and ask him for the things that you need. And he'll be there. He'll listen to those things. We need to spend time every day reading the Bible, studying God's word. It's hard for us to understand the way we need to live our lives, the things that God calls us to. If we don't read the Bible, if we don't understand what he has for us, 
How can we know the things that we're supposed to be doing? When you have a personal relationship, you want to share your life with that person that you have a personal relationship with. So when we have that personal relationship with Jesus, we should want to share our lives with him and share our lives with God. If you look with me at Ephesians 2, verse 13, it says this, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I said at the beginning that having a personal relationship with Christ or being united with Christ is a joint action. The first part is on us. The first part is choosing to believe in Jesus. It's choosing to have that faith in Christ. But our part is made possible because of what God's already done. If it wouldn't have been for for God realizing and, and knowing that we need a Savior, if he hadn't been willing to send his son Jesus here, then we couldn't have that personal relationship. We couldn't have a way to be able to get to heaven. But because of that love that he had for us, because of God already doing his part, that relationship with Jesus, it falls squarely on us because God's already done his part. Have you done your part? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Do you have that personal relationship? Because that's what we need to do. When we become united in Christ and make him our Lord and Savior, we can experience the love that he has for us. We can experience the good things that he has planned for us in our lives. It allows us to to share the love that God has for us, that Jesus has for us. When we truly have Jesus in our hearts, we want to follow his commands. We want to do the things that he calls us to do. It allows us to take what I think is the next step towards being united in Christ. And that is, we must be united in Christ's work. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When we talk about doing the good things that Jesus has planned for us, I think of two things. First, I think we're called to to live our lives the way Jesus lived his life. And if you look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says this. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I think for us to accomplish this, we need to take a deeper look at the way Jesus lived his life. We need to look at his characteristics, his his attributes. And when I think about those things, the, the first thing I think about is the compassion that Jesus had. If you look with me at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says this, he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Everywhere Jesus went, he looked upon people with compassion. He understood what their needs were. Sometimes they were physical needs. Sometimes they they needed fed. Sometimes they needed healing. 
Other times they, they were spiritual needs. They just needed to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to know what he was teaching. They wanted to be around him. Jesus took the time to notice the people that were around him. He took the time to notice that people were hurting. When you think about Jesus' love, do do we take the time to look at that? Do we take the time to look at the people around us, to, to know what they need, to know if they're hurting, to know how we can help them? Because of his compassion, it drove Jesus to be able to do those things. The second thing I think about when I think about the attributes of Jesus is I think about his heart of a servant. Jesus was an incredible servant, if you think about it. He came and he did so many great things. He, he teached and he preached and he performed miracles and he did all these things. But his heart of a servant, that's what he came to do was to serve people. He fed them, he healed them, he spent time with them. He took the time to understand their needs. But when you think about Jesus, he was the son of God. He didn't have to do that. He could have came to this earth and just ruled however he wanted to. He didn't have to have that servant's heart. He didn't need to come here to serve people. He deserves to have everybody else serve him. But that's not how it went. If you look with me at Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus humbled himself to be the one who served. He served each one of us by dying on the cross. If it hadn't been for him serving in that way, to be that sacrifice for us, we wouldn't have the opportunities we have now. We wouldn't be able to, by our faith in the grace given to us from God, have an opportunity for life in heaven. When I think about Jesus, I also think about how prayerful he was. No matter how busy his ministry got, no matter how busy his life became, Jesus always disappeared and spent time in prayer to God, his Father. When we think about that, we we think about where Jesus prayed. He, He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went across a river and prayed. He went on a mountaintop and prayed. Jesus disappeared a lot to be able to pray to the Lord. And the the people, they they continued to seek him out. They continued to to follow him and went where he was. And, And Jesus never turned those people away. But what he did do is he made a priority of the time that he spent in prayer with his father, with his father God. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, Verses 16 and 18, or 16 through 18, excuse me. It says this, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God wants that same prayerful relationship with us that he had with Jesus. 
God wants us to be able to come to him, to be able to let him know what we need, to be able to honor him and praise him and give him thanks for the things that he does for us. That's a relationship that God wants with us. He wants us to always be praying to him, to go to him when we need him. God also, or Jesus, when he was here, he also demonstrated self-control. Jesus lived the, the perfect life on earth. He, he lived a, a sinful life, or a sinless life, excuse me. He, he, he lived that, that perfect life. And he did that even though he was tempted by Satan. And I, I think in that phrase, the key word there is Satan. It's not God that tempts us. It's Satan. When we, when we think about being tempted in the sin that we have in our lives, that sin comes from our earthly desires and it comes from Satan. God will never put us in a sinful situation. The Bible tells us that in James 1.13, it says this. It says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. We're never going to be able to live a, a perfect, sinless life. We're just, we don't have the ability to do that. We have a sinful nature. We're, we're, we're human that way. And even though we have that in us, if we're going to live our life, life the way Jesus did, then we need to work at getting rid of that sin that we have in our life. We need to do the best we can to be able to change. And we need to listen to what God's asking us to do. When, when I think about Jesus, he was submissive to God's will. When you, you, you think about Jesus and he's praying in the garden and he's asking God to take away the burden of the cross. He's talking to him and he's saying, God, I really don't want to do this. I, I don't want to go through this. But he ends that prayer by saying, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was submissive to what God had planned for him, to what he knew he needed to do. And we need to be submissive to God as well. When we pray, we, we need to listen for God's answers. Sometimes we don't hear that answer because we're expecting the answer that we want to have. We don't listen for what God's actually saying to us. But when you think about the sin that we have in our life, it's because of our earthly desires. It's not what God wants for us. The other thing that I think of when I think about Jesus is, I think about Jesus as an evangelist. Jesus spent his ministry traveling all around. He was teaching and preaching and telling everyone he met about his message. And this is when I think about our, our works of Jesus that we need to do. This is the second thing that I think about. I think about being united in the work of Jesus and doing the things he has planned for us. When I think about that, I think about how we're supposed to tell everyone that we meet about Jesus Christ. Mark 13, verse 10. It says this, it says, For the good news must be preached to all nations. 
when I think about how did Jesus get his message out, I think about he did it in so many different ways. Jesus preached to the masses, but Jesus also taught in the temples. He preached on a mountaintop when, when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. He preached from a boat in the Sea of Galilee. He spoke to, to small groups when he was meeting with his disciples. He went to people's homes. He went to Mary and Martha's house. He met with people one-on-one. He communicated with people in so many different ways. But no matter where he went, he was willing to share that message. He was willing to tell everybody what they needed to hear. And this is what Jesus calls us to do in the Great Commission. If you look at Matthew chapter 28 with me. In verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how do we make disciples? And it's just the way Jesus did it, by sharing the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. We need to share what he's done for you. What's he done personally for you in your life? It doesn't need to be complicated when we need to share that message. It's simple enough just to be able to tell somebody, this is how Jesus has affected my life. This is the things he's done for me. We don't have to be Bible scholars to be able to share the message of Jesus. We just have to be willing to talk to people and tell them what Jesus has done for each one of us. What's he done for you personally? It doesn't have to be preaching a message on Sunday morning. It could be in a a small group, just sharing your experience. It could be hanging out with a group of friends. It could be sharing a meal together. It could be sharing it with your coworkers. It could be talking to your family, to your friends. It could be one-on-one with that person that just needs to hear about that. Whenever the opportunity presents itself, we just need to be ready. We need to be ready to talk to somebody about Jesus. Know what you're going to say when you have that opportunity. God will give you the words. I think the third thing that needs to happen for us to be a body that's united in Christ is we must be united in Christ's love. The attributes of Jesus that I just spoke about, his his compassion, his servant's heart, his his self-control, his evangelism, is because of Jesus' love. Jesus loved the the people and and he cared about them and was worried about their circumstances. Jesus loved his father God and he wanted to do the things that he asked him to do. He wanted to be able to share that love with, with people. Jesus also had a love for sinners. Jesus wanted to make sure that nobody was going to perish. And he was willing to go and he was willing to talk to those sinners and tell them the way, the way to get to heaven. When I I think about us, the the church, this body of believers here in Wellsville, this small part of God's family, I, I think, do we love the way Jesus loves? When when it comes to the people right here in this room, do we love each other? the way Jesus loves us? Do we have compassion the way Jesus has compassion for us? 
Do we take the time to see that there are people around us that are hurting, people that are sad, people that, that need help? Do we take the time to, to really get to know the people sitting around us right now that are here to worship God with us, that want to come and spend time together right here in this congregation? Or do we always rush right out to get on with our day? Do we invite people to lunch or, or dinner? Do, do we celebrate with each other? Do we, do we check on people when they're sick? Do we take time to hurt with people when they hurt? Do we take the time to rejoice with people when things go well? Jesus' love also showed in the way that he served others. Jesus fed people, he healed people, he welcomed people. He gave people advice. Do we serve the way that Jesus served? Do we love the people around us enough to to serve them? Do we look for ways that we can serve God by by serving his people? A a couple weeks ago, we put together a ministry book, or a couple months actually, and and had a list of, of many opportunities to be able to serve inside this congregation here. If you're not serving the way Jesus serves, maybe take a look at that book. There's opportunities in there. It can show you how you can get involved. Too many times when it comes to be being united in Christ's love, we like to make excuses why we don't. We don't love each other because we get our feelings hurt, because we get offended by the, the people around us. Do you hear what Sally said? Do you see what Billy did? That girl that sits over there in that other section, do you see how she was dressed? Do you see how many tattoos that guy had? We, we like to allow the things of this world to keep us from loving each other the way we should. We allow earthly things to affect the way that we look at each other. We all have opinions and we, we like to share our opinions and that's okay. But when we don't love each other because someone has a different opinion, then that's not okay. When we want to bash people on social media because they don't agree with our opinion, that's not showing God's love. When we allow differences in opinion to to cause us to not come to church, to not serve the Lord together, we need to evaluate if we have the right priorities. If others can't see the love of Christ in us because of the things we say or the sayings on our shirts or the things that we do, then we need to look at ourselves and say and ask ourselves, do I honor God with the things I'm doing? Do my actions keep me from being approachable by somebody that needs to know about Jesus Christ? If you look with me at Colossians chapter 3, Verses 1 through 4. It says this. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. 
We need to focus on the things of heaven. We need to think about Jesus and, and how he loves us. When this is our focus, then Jesus is going to be honored through those things. God's going to be honored by our actions when we focus on the heavenly things. Jesus' love, it's, it's full of grace and forgiveness. When, when people hurt us, we need to forgive. When people treat us poorly, we need to give them grace. When people do things that we don't agree with, we need to ask ourselves, do these things go against what the Bible says? Or are those actions something that we just don't agree with? Just because we don't agree with somebody doesn't mean that they're wrong. Jesus calls us to love the way that he loves. And we need to remove anything that keeps us from being able to love that way. If you look at John chapter 15, verse 12, it says this. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. As a church body, we need to have one goal in mind. That goal should be to share the good news and the love of Jesus with everyone. We need to share that with the people in this room. We need to share that with the people that are watching online. That those that we work with, our family, our friends, everybody we come in contact with. We need to go outside of these walls and share that love with the people in our community. For us to do this as a church body, we have to be united in Christ. It starts with each of us being united with Christ. If you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, then you can't be united in Christ. So that's where it starts. Then we need to be able to share Jesus with everyone, doing the works that he called us to. We accomplish this by allowing to see Allowing others to see Jesus Christ in us, to see the love that he has for us, to see that love flowing in and through and in out of us. To be a church body that is united in Christ, we have to place Jesus first. And that's what we're called to do. I'm going to ask the praise team to, to come back up here this morning. But as they do, the, the question I have for you is, are you ready to be united in Christ? Are you ready to take that first step? Are you ready to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? If you haven't done that yet, then I want to encourage you this morning, let today be the day. As we sing this morning, they'll have the, the elders and, and Kim will be up front. Come up and talk to them. They'll, they'll guide you through what that looks like. They'll direct you. But if you've already taken that step, and you already have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step you've already taken to be united in Christ. But have you done the other things? Can people see the love of Jesus in you? Are you willing to share the message of Jesus with everybody that you come across? If you're struggling with those things this morning, I'd still encourage you, come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll help direct you and guide you. 
on and help you pray through the struggles that you have going on in your life. But I really want to encourage you this morning as we sing, just to, to take action this morning. Let's stand and let's sing together.